0: Hello, 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 and welcome to episode six of the Jock Mailbag. My name is Damo, and joining me as
1: usual is Clarky. How are you doing, mate? Wonderful to be here. Uh, Melbourne are on top of the world, and I've taken a brief hiatus from being in space uh, to be here today.
0: Fantastic. And just to confuse everyone, we have another Damo joining us from Supercoach Edge. Thanks for joining us.
2: Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me on board. It's um, Yeah, I, uh, I've joined this recording uh, with my name is Damo, but... And in the brackets, so uh, just to make it a little bit more confusing for you guys.
0: <laughs> so to help out the listeners, I think we will need to refer to us as different names or with a prefix. Um, mm mm-hmm. Clarky, do you want to assign the prefixes to us?
1: For some reason in my head, the first thing that says I should do is just bananas in pyjamas. So Damo (laughs) can say something. uh, Sorry, Damon can say something. Damo N can say something and go, are you thinking what I am thinking, D1? (laughs) I think I am D2. It's super coach time. (laughs) I really like that. D1 and D2. (laughs) Okay. I assume I'm
0: D1. Look, it's your
1: your home ground, so you can be D1.
0: Okay, Makes yep. All right. <laughs> so I guess we'll go right at the top with some Supercoach-related news that has just broke before we started recording, and that is that Patrick Dangerfield has gone in for surgery on his ankle. So that'll affect some people who held him through his suspension and also people who traded him back in, if people traded him back in. I guess this affects Jordan Clark and some other rookies on the radar as well, like Max Holmes, who still has to play his second game. Are you are you still planning on trading Jordan Clark if you've still got him?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I can say from experience that uh, because I have traded Clark, I had to um, on the weekend, thanks to our good friend uh, Chris Scott. Um, yeah, so I, I did trade him, but. I mean, yeah, this does open up an opportunity for Clark to not only get back into the main team, but then also, you know, to cement his spot in the side. Um, you know, there is a bit of a hole there with Dangerfield not being there and especially for such a long period as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good opportunity for him. So long answer short, I'd probably stick around for another week or two just to see how he performs. First of all, if he gets back into the team, which he should, but then also to see his scoring and whether or not he can solidify his spot in the side. So I'd definitely keep hold of him. Yeah.
1: I think Jordan Clark was probably, I don't look, I'm not saying this from any place of pure expertise on the Geelong structure, but I feel like he was probably left out at the expense of Dangerfield. Um, he's really like, he's a really exciting player as well for them. I think they underestimate his ability. Um, he's got a break even of 36, which if he plays, he will make, he could even make that as a medical sub, um, I mean, at 294k, he has a little bit more to make. If you've already got him and you have somebody else that you need to trade out or that you can trade out, I'd say he's probably a better hold because then that'll push him up above 300k, mm-hmm. which is good money.
0: Yeah. I I traded him a little while ago, just um, along with Zach Butters, just so I could get in a couple of decent players. Um, but... Uh, I think you hold him now and just see what Chris Scott wants to do with him and just hope that he forces his way back in because Jeremy Cameron is due to return to that Geelong side this week and given the way that they performed against North Melbourne, they might opt for another marking target in the forward line or they might opt to um, beef up their, their midfield as well as bringing Jeremy Cameron in at the expense of maybe a Sam DeConning who debuted on the weekend.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, if you had the patience to hold Dangerfield uh, 100%, don't think it needed to be said, but we'll just say it anyway so you can't say we didn't, get rid of him. He's gone. Mm. That's it. Move him on.
0: Yeah, Dangerfield's out for at least eight weeks now, so you can't hold on to someone who's out for that long. We'll get into the questions. We've got questions from absolutely everywhere this week. Previously, it's been email or Twitter. We've even added in questions from the website this week. No questions via Instagram or Facebook though so we do ask for questions over those platforms if you'd like to submit them We'll start with an easy one I guess which rookies should be offloaded first that comes from Andrew do you want me to go first do you want you can go first d2 Uh, i like this yeah i can get used
2: to this uh yeah just in terms of rookies and stuff um we've covered this on our podcast as well uh because we had a very similar question and it probably comes down to i guess you know the first and foremost probably the job security of the rookie um if you have a rookie that has uh cemented their spot in a given team uh obviously that you want to hold on to them for as long as possible because they're good for cover, but then also you've got to factor in how they're, how they're scoring. Um, two for me that I think I want to hold on to, as opposed to sort of the other side of the question would be Golden and Warner, just in terms of, you know, what we've seen so far, they've got a, a pretty high floor in terms of their scoring and also a pretty high ceiling. So those, um, those games that we've seen already where they can just <clears throat> fly off the handle and, and score hundred plus uh, is always good for kickstarting their cash generation. Off the back of you know the weeks that they've had in uh, in recent times, where they've only scored like Goulden on the weekend only sixty six and Warner with fifty, so all it takes is for a you know one big weekend to kickstart their their cash gen again. Um, but yeah, for though for me, those are the two guys that I want to keep in terms of offloading. Um, yeah, it probably comes down to I'm just looking at in my own side like a Berry from Adelaide. You know, he's not his scoring has taken a bit of a downturn. A uh, big part of his game is tackling, of course, and that has fallen off a little bit as well. Um, and he only scored the 31 on the weekend. And yeah, McNeil, another one uh, for the dogs, uh, potentially. Scott, uh, those are probably two guys that may be a slow burn. Uh, Cozzy is one that actually, the first rookie that I got rid of, just because when he got dropped that week, I needed cover and got rid of him. Um, but yeah, it comes down to um, how solid they are in their lineup. And then of course, uh, this scoring uh, ability as well. So Yeah, I mean, probably Powell as well. I'll probably keep as long as possible. Anyone else outside of that, uh, I'd probably look at moving on. But keep an eye, of course, on their break-evens. And once it starts approaching the averages for the year, that's when you should start thinking about moving them on.
0: I've personally moved on Braden Campbell for Lockie Jones. I know Braden Campbell probably has job security, um, but his scoring has dried up and he's even lost cash and we thought he was going to bring his break even back down to earth but it's now at the point where it's really not uh, a given that he's going to that he's going to beat the break even anymore so it looks like he's made all that he can he's only made something like what 55k or something so he really hasn't done his job as a rookie for us but obviously that 112 that he scored couple of weeks ago, 112, 118, mm-hmm. whatever it was, a few weeks ago, was clearly an outlier and he's really been brought back down to earth. And those who hold on to him, I understand because they are against the Suns this week, which are probably an easier opponent for them to score against. But um, yeah, he's he's gone for me this week. As you said, Sam Berry, he seems to have dried up his scoring. He's spending lots of time on the bench as well. So he might be due for a rest. And then Anthony Scott and Lockie McNeil, well, where do they fit in the Western Bulldogs lineup once they're fully fit and available? Um, Clarkie?
1: Yeah, I think you guys have pretty much covered off all of the important ones that are probably first on. Um, Cozzy and Brockman, if you still have Brockman, uh, which I do, uh, definitely I would say they're probably ready to move on. They haven't exactly done what we wanted them to do, but hey, that's it. Sometimes you just have to cut and go. Um <clears throat> Campbell is already gone for me. That's been, I did the exact same trade that you did Damo. I did Campbell to Jones, um, which enabled me to get rid of Hickey, um, you know, with that unfortunate PCL, but yeah, Sam Berry, Anthony Scott, Cozzy Brockman are probably the first ones that when I look at my team personally, what I'm looking at, they are probably ready to go. Um, guys like James Jordan, uh, I think it came out during the week uh, or even last week that Simon Goodwood said that part of his poor scoring was probably due to a little bit of a change in his role in what he was doing with the Ds. And the Ds are on a pretty hot run at the moment. So I think he yeah, definitely still has a little bit more cash to make. And if he continues to average 70 odd, his break even is going to stay low. Tom Powell is still on a negative break even. Goulden has some really good job security and has been playing a really good role with Sydney. Um, Chapman seems to be doing well with your guys, Damo, D1, sorry. <laughs> um, and yeah, even James Rowe, I think, is still somebody who you could probably like squeeze every penny from a few guys like that.
2: And one thing as well, just, just on Campbell, which you've both spoken about, the main thing that's worrying with him is the fact that he's, he's low time on ground, it, it very much rivals... Uh, one of my own men in Dow. His time on ground has been 70%, 66%, and 62% over the past three weeks, which has lined up with his scores of 29, 51, and 39. So, you know, he's he's on a, very much on a downturn just because of the fact that Horse isn't giving him that time on ground and then i think horse came out during the week uh, and he said that uh, he's quoted as saying we'll consider giving him a rest um don't want to make a close ended statement yet but development of young plays isn't always onwards and upwards so you know there may be reading between the lines there indications that he starts giving rests to campbell or even warner or and hopefully it's the uh, not the, not the latter two
1: yeah i think campbell probably seems to be the one that's having the least amount of impact so probably it seems, as you said, reading between the lines, you know, notwithstanding, he probably seems to be the first one to get a rest. Um, it's not that he's playing poorly, but, you know, there's still a lot of development that doesn't mean you need to play 22 games of AFL, you know, senior AFL in your first year. Like, got a long career ahead of you, young man.
0: I think we've answered that question, so we'll move on. This question's about upgrading rookies, mm-hmm. I guess. Um this question is about someone who's got a lot of money in their bank, 300K, and they're looking to upgrade Golden and Campbell. Um, who are the best options in that bracket? So we've had a look at this and it, the bracket's probably the 540 to 600K mark. We've already advised people to hold on to Golden, So it's really just moving on Campbell. So I guess the best players around the 540k, the Clarkie?
1: Yeah, uh, I think so. You and I uh, did a little bit of pre-research. Um, and look, there's not a lot, i uh, going to be honest with you, there's not a lot going around that 540 um, plus range that is going to be somebody who you could 100% say they deserve to be in your team at times. And if you're doing an upgrade, you want it to be somebody that is going to be in your team from now until either they get injured or super coach finishes. That's the, that's the ideal scenario. Um, I think there is an argument to be made for downgrading pal and then holding on to the cash for when, say if golden gets rested next week, you can then take golden who's 340 odd and then go pretty much to anybody that you want. You can have your pick of the shop. Um, So I, I personally think banking the cash off Campbell now is the better option. But if you really want something from me, uh, we came up with a few, few options. Uh, how about one, um, uh, what's his name? And I've already forgotten it. Brandon Ellis, he is definitely playing. Uh, he has a pretty low break. Even he seems to be averaging around what he's scoring. Um, and only one, one really poor score. Uh, which is a 64 in round one, and then 103, 112, 90, and a 113. I mean, playing for the Gold Coast Sun seems, to, seems pretty friendly to me. Three three out of five tons, and the 64 seems to have been an outlier, so why not?
2: Hmm, interesting. Yeah, he's only in 0.5% um, of teams as well. Huge so he's pod. Definitely a, definitely a pod.
1: Um, or you could buy Josh Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend buying Josh Kelly and joining me on my lonely island of sadness.
2: Uh, as tempting as that sounds, I'd, I'd probably pass, just because I don't like Leon Cameron and what he's doing with Kelly.
1: Don't, uh, <laughs> I'm not, not going to talk about it for a fourth week in a row. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, listeners. Uh,
2: just dredging up uh, the emotions. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think, uh, yeah, Brandon Ellis, I think, um, in the past, I've probably fallen into that category where I've tended to jump on someone like an Ellis at that sort of 500k mark or thereabouts, in the hope that they're going to become a keeper. Um, but for me, I, you know, you should be looking to, if you can. I mean, with what's this person got 300k in the bank? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, yeah. So like with that, with that nice. money, yeah, you've you've got to definitely got to bring in someone who you think is going to finish in the top eight midfielders. And for me, I I can't see Ellis finishing as a top eight midfielder. Uh, for me, I assume they've already got someone like a Dunkley, McRae. Uh, those are the two that I'd definitely try and target, but they're just a smidge above uh, six 600 in Dunkley's case, but McRae is at 650. Um, but one who I've spoken about on my podcast is Clayton Oliver, and I think he's just supreme value. I reckon he's going to be one of the biggest value plays of the season for me, just playing it early only only uh, only five rounds into the season now but um just in terms of his scoring we all know that he can score well on the podcast i've called him the uh the big big sweaty pink pig as uh john o'brown used to call cameron ling He's cool. taking the mantle oh. <laughs> with the red hair no not my beautiful boy <laughs> I say it I say it with affection, with affection though. <laughs>
1: he does have a pretty, pretty crap haircut. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say another word. <laughs> <laughs> he,
2: he does go quite pink as well when he's uh, when he's uh, at full flight. But just looking at his scoring, he scored 122 round one, 133, 67, which was against the Giants. Remember that he was tagged by DeBoer, the glove, the human glove. And then he came out and scored a 130 and a 115 on the weekend. So... Just he's able to push beyond that 110 mark on a consistent basis. And I have no doubt about it. uh, Injury free, he will finish in the top eight midfielders. And at six, sorry, at 591, just a touch under 600K. uh, I think he's, yeah, as I said, he's presents massive, massive value.
1: Yeah. I'm hearing what you're saying. You should pick Clayton Oliver in a premiership year.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Might be right.
0: (laughs) And I guess this, these next two questions sort of go with that. Um, Will Andrew Brayshaw be a top 10 midfielder? Now, I love this man that plays for my football team that I support. But the fact that his response to being tagged is to tag back, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 midfielder because I think there will be games where he scores a 60 or a 40 because he has been tagging in response to being tagged which will drag his average way, way, way down. So I don't think it's going to be a top 10, but he's going to have a really high ceiling. And when he gets off the leash, he's going to score really, really well. In saying that though, at 482K, he is at a good price to bring in, if you need to bring someone in
1: around that price. If we're going on the Brandon Ellis rule, three out of five tons um, and pretty decent ones, 110 plus, um, I don't know what their deal was with the poor game against Carlton. I think maybe Frio have a bit of hoodoo with them. Um, But yeah, the the tag tag back on Mitchell really killed him for that 48. Um, So he might even be cheaper in the coming weeks as well. Yeah.
2: He's um, he's one that I definitely looked at around the similar sort of uh, price as um, well. I've got Toronto who has sort of been up and down, but um, yeah, as a value selection, I think you could potentially take a punt on him, but for me, like you said, uh, just in terms of his, his tag ability and uh, just the fact that chera has gone down as well, it's one less um, troop in their engine room who won't really attract a, a tag. So it's either Mundy who I don't think he's going to attract a tag in his old age, even though he's uh, he's rejuvenated. He's uh, the second coming at the moment. And then they've got Five, who uh, you'd want to tag, but I think he just breaks tags and has that ability about him as well. And I think opposition clubs will see that Brayshaw is susceptible to a tag. So they'll be taking him first and foremost. And because of that, I, uh, I would probably want to avoid him at this stage. Uh, but yeah, having said that, if you are strapped for cash uh, and you know, you're not able to reach anyone beyond his price range, uh, I think you, you know couldn't do
1: much worse. I don't mean to, uh, don't mean to step back slightly, but I've just been looking if, uh, if our previous man does decide to trade out the golden instead, Jared Lyons, Six thirteen k, banks all your cash. He's on an absolute mad one at the moment.
2: Yeah, I actually like lines. He's um, for me, even last year as well. Towards the end of the season, when I actually traded Neil back into my side, and he had a the one week that I traded him back in during the finals, Super Coach Finals, and he actually put in a stinker, and, and line did pretty well. Uh, he's, he's super consistent. So this year he hasn't scored below a hundred. Uh, he's had. Two scores above 100, 125. So, yeah, for me, I think in the the Lions midfield as well, uh, I don't think he really attracts much attention. He kind of go, gets away scot-free. Neil has attracted a, a bit of attention so far, despite the fact he's already hindered with his uh, with his back injury. But yeah, just looking at his scores last year as well for Lions, uh, he's only he only scored below a hundred four times and one of which I think was injury affected. Uh, but apart from that, he scored uh, multiple games over 120 plus. So have a look at that. I think, yeah, he's he's definitely one who could be a, a bit of a, a bit of a smoky, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't don't even know if uh, I can think of any other Brisbane midfielders who would be worth considering.
2: No, he's, he's in uh, 1% of teams as well, Lions. So he's definitely a, a pod as well.
0: And what do we think of Hugh McCluggage? This is a question from Matt on the website. Uh, started the year with, with some modest scores, but has scored 103 and 140 in the last two weeks. Is he another option in the cheaper sort of range that we can have a look at?
1: I do love the suitcase. Um, I think he's a very good football player. I think he's going to be a bit of a roller coaster though. Um, if that's something that you can hit, because, like, and you can clearly see it in his trend of scoring as well, where it's kind of 68 in round one. Brisbane, nah, didn't do that well. Um, you know, And Geelong, 86, 88 against Collingwood in a 103 or 140. Um, 140 against Essendon in, in that kind of game. I don't think you can read too much into that, but I think you would probably be good if you're happy to accept someone who could go anywhere between... 85 to 105, with a few in between that go outside that.
0: Hugh McLeish scores a bit like a barometer for the way that the Lions play. So in those first three rounds, when the Lions were really sort of struggling, they've um, he's sort of struggled as well, and that's been mirrored in his scoring. And then, and then they did they won after the siren uh, in round four, and then completely dominated Essendon in round five and that is sort of reflected in his scoring. So I feel like as long as the Lions keep winning, he could continue to score okay. My worry is when they're not going, he doesn't seem to get going either. So that would be my only worry with picking a humor cluggage.
1: Um, he seems to only score well when the team is going well. And I will say this: they're playing Carlton this week, so I'm probably going to tip that he tons up. But then they're playing Port Adelaide the next week, which is a much tougher matchup. Sorry, Carlton. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Carlton supporter, so I'm just yeah. I'll just quiet I, I, I do. I didn't want to be too direct about it, but <laughs> um, but, but I true. think it's it's kind of like a one yeah that 140 against Essendon in a monsoon.
2: Yeah, for me, just looking at his his uh, history of scoring, you look at his scores last year and it looks as though his sort of median range falls around that 110 mark um, and he, his ceiling is quite limited. There was only two games where he really uh, had you know, out-of-the-box games, I guess, in round three and round four last year, which is where he scored 155 and 141. Apart from that, uh, I'm sorry, in round eight against the Ds as well, he scored 131, but apart from that, the highest he scored is like 114, 117. Then he dropped down to a 60, 107. So for me, I, I question his, you know, the his ceiling, I guess, um, in terms of how much he can score max. And that kind of puts a limit on uh, his capabilities there for me. So uh, yeah, he has those tendencies as well, looking at his history that he tends to score really well and then drop down. And, you know, if you're getting him in as well, you know, if you're, if you're I guess your aim of this year, if you're looking to, to win your head-to-head matches or win a league, he's probably not the best player to have because he's not the most consistent every week. Uh, but yeah, he's he's going to score you um, you a know, nice nice score here and there. But for me, yeah, I don't think I'd, I'd target him.
0: Fair enough. And I, I'd seem to agree with both of you on that. I've got my own question I've submitted. So I've sort of...
1: You, you realize you don't have to submit the questions, right? You can just... <laughs> You can just ask them,
0: but then I forget to ask you. <laughs> <it. laughs>
1: we're we're a democracy, and we are fair listeners, so <laughs> let that be shown.
0: And I'm sure I'm not the I'm not the only one with this question as well. My cash generation, especially for the players that sit on my bench, has effectively stopped. But I have no plans to bring in Bo McCreary this week. Is that wrong?
2: No, no, I don't think that's wrong at all. No.
0: No.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's look. It's a very simple answer. It's like if if you we don't know. It's it's the same boat I think as Finlay McRae, um, where you kind of look at him and you go, "That would be really awesome if I knew that they were going to be in for even say five to six weeks. That's enough to make a decent amount of money. Um, looks like they can play pretty well, and McRae scored pretty decently. Am I am I right in that? He scored a 56 and a 58. I'm happy. Yeah, you'd be happy with that. Um, bringing someone in just because they're on the edge of a price rise is not a strategy. No. Because you you are just using a trade that then you're not going to have later on. Um, missing out on someone's. It's kind of the Waterman uh, situation, I would say, again, where it's like, I didn't bring in Alec Waterman. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people were like, he's on the bubble, though, and Esther didn't really need him, and he's got long term job security. And that's all great, but. You know, if I had other people who were going to make cash as well, then missing out on the first, even two, one or two price rises, is not the end of the world, um, because you're still being economical because it's a limited trade format.
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree as well. Just in terms of, we had a question on our podcast as well uh, by a listener asking us to compare Jones and McCreary, and I was like, it, it's pretty much a coin flip. Like those are just two guys have scored very similar. One's got a break even, McCreary's got a break even of negative, 55, negative 45. Jones has got a negative break even of 48. And I mean, it comes down really to, as well, if, you, if you're stocked on the bench in defense, like you wouldn't go for Jones. And likewise, if you're stocked on the bench in the forward line, you wouldn't go for McCreary. So it probably comes down to what rookies you have to offload. Um, so there's a number of factors you have to factor in because um, everyone is at different stages of their team development in terms of, you know, rookies that have maxed out and, you know, do you hold a rookie for another week or two because they may eke out an extra 10, 15K or might they smash out a nice, you know, 80-plus game to then kickstart their cash gen? It's it's a few things you got to factor in, I think, but you can probably afford to wait on McCreary. And even if he does go up in price uh, this week, according to super coach gold anyway, that he's going to go up 45 K even then um, if he has a score similar to what he's been doing, or if he has a complete bummer and ends up scoring a 30 odd or something, at least you've got uh, Finlay McRae on the horizon for next week who you can then target. So, you know, he's a mid forward as well. So um, if it were me, um, I'd probably wait uh, if you could. Uh,
1: okay. Since we're bringing our own questions to the podcast now, yes, I have question. Um, and Damo, this D1, sorry, this you'll probably have a little bit more insight, but D2, I want your opinion as well. I'm someone who started and has been holding Josh Tracy. Is he going to score more than 20 points? And what the hell am I going to do with him? You st- if you
0: started with him, I don't think the issue is what do you do with him? I think it's more, um, who's your Ruck 3 at the moment? Matt Flynn. Okay. So you could probably hold Tracy until um, Matt Flynn has completely fattened. Um, but once you trade Flynn, then that just gives you someone to put on your bench in that position. So, that's one reason to hold him. He His issue isn't the fact that he isn't presenting at the ball. The issue is he's making very little impact. And hopefully, against the Kangaroos this Saturday night, he can bring up a good score. But... He just needs to get some confidence, and I think that they're going to give him as much t- time as possible to gain that confidence in the, the senior team, and if he doesn't get it quick soon, then he's going to end up at Peel.
2: Yeah, I would I would have said the same thing, just in terms of uh, the strategy of using him, just keeping him on your bench for the time being in the forward line, and then once Flynn fattens, switch Treacy into, uh, into the R3 position, and then... Trade Flynn out to a uh, a forward option, or if you can do that DPP switch again uh, with a mid forward, um, trade in someone in that other position as well. But yeah, um, thankfully I was very close to starting with him, but um, I didn't. But I've got you know enough uh, non-playing players to, to worry about um, aside from that. But if all else fails, um, Tracy you could probably use him as a bit of a hat stand, I think, because he's he's quite tall enough, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I he's tallish. So it's tallish. tall-ish. I mean,
0: he's- <laughs> But he's actually smaller than Patrick Cripps. Really? Yeah. Patrick Cripps is 195. Tracy's 194. Oh, wow. So.
1: What it must be to be so short. (laughs) How awful. Me and my my meager 184. (laughs) Jesus. These guys are huge. And me, who's
0: knee-high to Caleb Daniel.
2: Yeah. I'm actually the same size as Caleb Daniel. He, um, yeah, same.
0: He came exactly. in, because
2: I've been doing some work with um, Dylan Buckley on his podcast, and we had him on the other week, and he walked in. And first of all, I didn't even realize it was him. I didn't recognize him without his helmet on. And I was like, oh, cool. Nice to meet you, mate. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Fuck, that's Caleb Daniel. <laughs> and he's literally the same height as me, and I'm like 178 or 79 or something, so... Yeah, it's, um, yeah, p- big big people problems, I think, but yeah, <laughs> I'm small enough uh, to, to meet most people's knees.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think my neck is always crooked upwards. <laughs> anyway, we'll continue to move on to the last few questions. David has sent through literally just Mitch Lewis question mark, and so I had a look into Mitch Lewis question mark, and he's 195K, sorry, 199K rather. And he's averaging seventy nine and he's on the bubble. And if he gets recalled, I guess the question is, is he a better option than Jones or McCreary? And I guess that comes down to what D two said in coin flip.
1: Mm. I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. For one, not for what not
0: for one ninety nine.
1: no nah, exactly. Nah.
0: And he's also a key forward. Yep. So you could be stuck in a Logan McDonald situation.
2: Yeah. I don't, I just, oh. like a lot of people as well, they, I don't understand the thinking because a lot of people, they sort of overlook the fact that if you're trading someone down to Mitch Lewis, as opposed to someone who's 117K, you're going to be missing out on what's that the difference of 80K by trading in Mitch Lewis over someone who's 117K. So that's a lot of coin to miss out on for, you know, someone who's, you know, not going to be a consistent scorer as a, as a forward in uh, in the Hawks team.
0: The one thing that Mitch Lewis does have going for him though is it doesn't seem to matter the quality of opposition that he's up against. I think it comes down to the quality of his direct opponent as to whether he can score well or not, because he has come against Ge- come up against Geelong in his first game for the year where he scored 85, so he would have been up against some pretty good defenders in that team, but then he came up against Fremantle the week after, and he would have been up against uh, Brandon Cox or even Luke Ryan, who have kept the likes of Tom Hawkins virtually goalless. And he still managed to score a 76, I think it was. So um, it doesn't matter the quality of the opposition. I think it's the quality of the opponent that affects how he scores. But in saying that he is a key forward and key forwards won't dominate every single game and he's also very young and we and we don't know how Alistair Clarkson is going to use his tall forwards considering he keeps he keeps dropping them left right and center.
2: Yeah, and also keep in mind as well just as that higher price range of 199 500 he's got to score more in order to keep his cash gen flowing as opposed to someone who's a basement price at 117 who doesn't need to score as much as as what Lewis would need to in order to get you know a decent price rise so that's another thing to sort of factor in
1: yeah I mean he's got a minus 41 break even and that would that would be a projected change of about 50k according to Supercoach gold uh, that got up in front of me and even then so that takes him up to around about 250 and then and then what
2: yeah sort of peters out after round eight if he keeps a consistent average of 60 odd of there about. I mean
1: its yeah I mean if he keeps a, if he keeps a consistent average of you know, eight, 75 to 85 in that range. They're fantastic, but it's too much of a coin flip and it's too expensive to take that risk.
2: Yeah, I think people are getting seduced by the Tex Walker factor. And, uh, you know, I've had a few questions as well on our podcast that <gasps> we're asking the same thing that, you know, can we jump on this player? Because they've eked out a couple of nice scores and they've been around this sort of awkward price range. And, you know, I think... Uh, the Texan is a bit of a, an anomaly. Um, you know, it's once once in a generation supercoach coach type revival by oh, the big Texan. It's been um, delicious, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's been. I'm crazy. not even an
1: owner, and I'm just like <laughs> I, I absolutely. It's it's so good. It's oh, so good.
2: Yeah, I'm in awe as well. I haven't got him either. Wish I did, but um, I, I went against it just because I didn't see him sustaining that scoring. But geez, as I said, it's uh, it's an anomaly. But yeah, for those those sort of players, it's. Um, you can't really expect everyone to to have that meteoric rise like uh, like Texas had.
0: And our final question for the day comes from Patch. So us at Jock Reynolds are a very interactive bunch. We like to invest in our own product. Thanks, Patch. Patch, well has, <laughs> Patch has asked – well, he hasn't really asked. He's, he's more had a mental breakdown, and so I've made a question out of it. He traded Flynn for Tom Hickey after Flynn and Meek were both overlooked. He couldn't trade Meek – because he was short, getting any option that was actually playing. What are his options? He's currently thinking of just bringing Flynn back in and banking the 200k.
1: Look, that is literally the most corrective trade that has ever. Like, it's the definition of the word is that you made a bad trade and now you're correcting it. And you're going back to Flynn. However, I don't know how much bank bank cash uh, bank cash. Uh, or cash money, as it's sometimes colloquially referred to. Uh, patch has, but I have
0: on good authority. He only has three hundred dollars in his supercoach game. <laughs> oh not, not 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 three hundred thousand, three hundred dollars.
1: Oh, patch, oh patch, <laughs> oh god, yeah, no, you, you got to bring in Flynn, sweetie. That's <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much your option. It's either Flynn, look. It's who I'm looking now, and I'm just sweetheart. I love you, and you are one of the everything's that are good. Shane Mumford, he's gonna be to be work. rested, isn't he? Yeah. So Matt Flynn, Matt Flynn is the option. Honestly, I yeah. and sorry, like jokes aside, you know, um it that's is that's just bad luck. Yeah, and look, it's I'm somebody who brought in Hickey as well. You don't see that coming. So don't and this goes out to all all super coaches out there. Don't beat yourself up over something that you could never have predicted happening. Um like especially an injury or anything like that. Like we're talking, like we spoke about Dangerfield this episode, you know, you've got the hickey situation, you got butters, people had butters. You know, you can't predict these things. You just gotta take it back to Flint and then go from there because Flynn's going to make you cash this week and that's what you have to look forward to. So you're banking the cash that you use in the original trade. Plus Flynn's going to make more cash this week and probably for the next couple weeks, weeks um, if he doesn't go out again. So that's all positives.
2: I do. I uh, do appreciate I, I it. I spotted as well. Uh, I think Patch may have made it the, uh, the Simpsons meme with uh, Hans Molman saying I've, I've traded a, a hickey for Flynn, but I'm 25 years old just because it's given him so much stress. And one that I'll send back his way is uh, another Simpsons reference, the, uh, the episode where that old man uh, is out in the street with his, uh, he's dropped his dax and he's dancing for money. The old grey mare, she ain't what she used to be. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be patch, I reckon, just on the uh, on the footpath because that's what you're going to need to do in order to get a bit more coin to add to the $300. we will drop
1: pants for trades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but
2: yeah, I'd, yeah, just bring back... Someone fl- get
0: Tim on the phone.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just bring, bring back Flee I think that's your only back. option.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. D2 or Damo, we'll refer to you by a real name <laughs> for this next bit. You're from Supercoach Edge and you do a weekly podcast. What nights does that drop?
2: Uh, it'll be dropping uh, tonight as we're recording this podcast, actually on Wednesday. Uh, so, so you can look out for that. Do you
0: usually drop them on a Wednesday?
2: Yeah. So uh, originally we were trying to drop it on a Tuesday, but um, uh, more so depends on, <laughs> I guess, the availability of my co-ho- co-host as well as myself. But yeah, either a Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Um, so either one of those nights but uh, traditionally it will be i think wednesdays from now on so um you'll be able to see that through uh our twitter we'll be uh posting that and uh yeah it's available on spotify uh apple podcasts uh, podbean and yeah everywhere else
0: wherever else you listen to your podcasts exactly. so thank you good. so much for joining us no worries uh you, you can follow at uh, supercoach edge at supercoach ed- underscore edge on twitter and you can follow damo as well at damo j88 on twitter
1: and uh, Clarky, any final words? Uh, one one final question. D2, Damo from Supercoach Edge, the beautiful podcast. What objectively is the best club theme song?
0: Ooh. Uh, oh, not this again. That's, that's a, it. That's it. <laughs> it's the <laughs> official
1: this, question of the podcast. This, Thank you, Supercoach. I, like, I
0: really
2: appreciate this because it reminds me of um, – I don't know if you've ever tuned into um, Chrissy, Sam and Brownie and Brownie, whenever they get a, um, an actor on, he always asks the questions of how do you remember your lines and everyone else just loses their shit because that's it's the dumbest question. Um, <laughs> I think, I think Richmond, I think you'd have to say Richmond has the the catchiest theme song in the AFL as much as it annoys me being a Carlton supporter, but no, I, I do like, I can't help but sing along when, <laughs> when we are uh, no doubt lose them every song, every time we face them.
1: Yeah, I'm going to the game this weekend, uh, the Anzac Eve Clash, and I will not be singing it. <laughs>
2: what's what's your opinion? What, what's, uh, what song do you like? Uh,
1: if you want, you can check out my opinion and tier list on our previous episode of the Jock Mailbag. Yes. Uh, objectively, I think it's GWS, but my wife thinks it's Frio, so she runs the pants, so she gets the top <laughs> of the tier list.
2: Runs the pants, the pants party. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's actually a fair point, because I do like the, uh, what do they call them? Like the, the brass instruments, the, the brass numbers, trumpets. the trumpets, and the everything else. Like it's really good. I like it's it. It's
1: good. <laughs> it Thank, you D- Thank you, D1.
2: No worries. Thank you. Thanks for Thank boys.
1: Thank you so much. We love you. Cheers. Love you guys.